Thank you guys for tuning in to Bold as a Lion Ministries YouTube channel. We're going to take this opportunity to say Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year, and Happy Holidays for all the other holidays I may be missing, in case maybe you're Jewish and you like to celebrate Hanukkah or something like that. If you find these videos to be informative and helpful for your faith, then please like, share, and leave a comment. But anyway, God bless you guys. Enjoy the teaching, and I hope that we are answering questions you have and stirring up faith in you. In Jesus' name, thank you. All right, so we've been talking about <clears throat> faith, love, and mercy. And the last scripture verse we were talking about was Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 39-ish. And... Um, this is right here, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. <laughs> so there's three steps of a miracle, three steps of breakthrough, three steps of breakthrough. And we were talking about how, how the reason why we call it a promise is, you know, every time you, you talk about promises, <clears throat> if, if I come up to you and say, hey man, will you do this for me? And then if I don't, you know, I would say to you, hey, do you promise? You know, and there's only one reason why I would ask you if you would promise, and that's if I was questioning your integrity, questioning your reliability, questioning whether or not you're really going to come through. So a promise infers that there's doubt on one side, or let's say there's opportunity for doubt. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean you will doubt, just means there's going to be opportunity to doubt. Does that make sense? So we call it a promise because you're going to go through something that's going to require you to hold on. Hold on to a promise. Does that make sense? And that's why, um, anyway, like the only reason why we make promises right now, that's why Jesus says in the New Testament, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He says, but you know, don't be making your oaths to whatever. Just don't, just, if you say you're going to do it, do it. End of story. Don't make promises. Don't, don't try to ante it up in a sense. Don't try to, well, you know, now that I promised, like it, it's like, it doesn't matter if you promise or not. If you, if you say you're going to do it and you don't do it, you're a liar. It doesn't matter whether you promised, swore, made an oath or not. The only reason why we make oaths, the only reason why we swear, the only reason why we make a promise, the only reason why we write up contracts is so that um, someone can be held accountable on a, maybe like a legal standpoint or Maybe, basically, there's higher consequences if you promise. Make sense? Very interesting. But God never says in the scripture, you know, I promise. He just says it. And when he says it, he means it. We are the ones who put, we're the ones, human beings, we're the ones who call the word of God a promise. We're the ones who say his promises. And the reason why we say that is because we have to reassure ourselves God's not a liar. Why do we have to reassure ourselves that he's not a liar? Is it because God's ever let us down? You know, God's never let us down. God's never given us a reason not to trust him. But we have our own insecurities. We have insecurities that cause us to question the dependability of God. And that's the problem. 
We have insecurities that cause us to question the dependability of God. This is called doubt and unbelief. This is the very big problem we have, doubt and unbelief. And I'm pretty much sure we talked about some of this doubt and unbelief last few sessions. We may be repeating some stuff. But that's the thing about teachings is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we're not to worry about repeating some things. We want people to get it. You know what I mean? We want to, we <clears throat> you know, we were talking about um, Pastor Dwayne at church. He was talking about how the cows chew the cud, you know, meditation. That it, you swallow it, then he regurgitates it and chews it up again, you know. So when it comes to hearing the Word of God, that's what we got to have to do. That's why we spend time in the Word. That's why it doesn't matter how many times you read the Scriptures, you got to read them again. You know, Miles Monroe, one of the greatest teachers I've ever heard, he's read the, he read the Bible 32 times. He said, I've read the Bible 32 times. I'm thinking, no wonder you got such revelation, you know. It's a great teacher. <clears throat> and I thought, I want to read the Bible 32 times, you know. You can't ever get enough of it. Um, but doubt and unbelief comes because we have some sort of insecurity inside of us. We question God's integrity, which just, it's absurd. But we do, you know. We always constantly say to ourselves what, what, what the devil said to uh, Adam and Eve. Did God really say? You know? Insecurities. We have insecurities. We have questions. We question God's dependability. And uh, doubt and unbelief, you know what I mean? But it all comes down to that question that that, that Satan asked Adam and Eve. Um, did God really say? Did God really say? We always say that to ourselves. So there's a three-step process of breakthrough. There's a three-step process of receiving a promise. And that is, number one, you don't throw away your confidence. So again, we reassure ourselves. We have to speak to ourselves the Word of God. We have to remind ourselves. We have to refocus. Remind and refocus. In other words, we have to remember. That's why the Bible says remember. Remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. <clears throat> now, oftentimes we think about, well, remembering like, I mean, there's certain things you'll never forget. You know what I mean? Like the Bible talks about this like, you know, you forgot. You forgot what you, you forgot what, what God did for you. You know what I mean? You did not remember Him. Well, what kind of remembering is it talking about? Does that mean like that guy had amnesia and he absolutely can't remember what happened? You know, like it's completely left his memory? You know? We know that there's, just like a computer has, um, a hard drive memory and a RAM memory, so does our brains. Our brains has a, um, a subconscious, you know, that's stuff that's always back in the, back in the background that we don't ever bring up all the time. And then there's a remembering... There's a being mindful. Does it make sense? Like right now, this thing is on my mind. Okay? And so when we talk about remembering and re reminding ourselves and refocusing, what we're literally doing is going to our filing cabinet, pulling out what's inside the filing cabinet and putting it on the table, and now it's in front of us. Does that make sense? <clears throat> like when I talk to people, when I, I used to explain to people when I was working at AT&T um, that, you know, how RAM and how hard drives work, and I said, basically your hard drive, you know, some people ask stuff about computers or whatever, you know, and I'll say your hard drive is the thing that has, like, it's your filing cabinet. You never forget it. It's always there, but you're not doing anything with it. It's just sitting there. You know what I mean? And your table is like your RAM. You bring it out there, you stick it on the table, and this is what you're working with, you know? And so it's the same thing with our mind. We, we have things that we have in a filing cabinet. We have things that we've, we remember that we have, you know, but then there's things that are on the forefront. They're right in front of our brain all the time. We're always thinking about it. And that's, where, that's why we, every morning it's important for us to get up in the morning and, and put our mind on Christ. Does it make sure? that's, why said, that's why the Bible says, set your mind on things above. Set your mind 
set your mind. This is how we overcome sin in our life. <laughs> this is how we, we see miracles. Everything. Faith. Don't throw away your confidence. The only way you don't throw away your confidence is if you set your mind daily. Everything. You know, you're putting your mind on Him. You're bringing it to the forefront. Make sense? So the promises of God, like we said before, the reason why we have a promise is because we have an opportunity of doubt. It means that we're going to go through something that we're going to have to overcome and we're going to have to say, no, I have a promise from God. I'm holding on to that one thing. Okay? So we have confidence and then you have endurance. Well, why do you need endurance? Because what we just talked about, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to fail in your faith. I know that sounds horrible, but <laughs> it's kind of like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. You're going to have an opportunity to fail in pulling your parachute. You know what I mean? You, I'm not saying that you should. I'm saying, I'm saying that you're going to have an opportunity to test your faith, and you're going to have to have endurance. Make sense? So you, you don't throw away confidence. You have to endure, which means that you're going to have hardship. Endurance implies hardship or resistance. It's all implied. We're going to have either hardship or resistance. So, we, like, I'm only recapping on a few things here. That whenever you have um, the Word of God, which brings confidence. Remember we talked about this in many of our teachings. We are talking about humility brings confidence. Right? If you humble yourself before the Lord, He exalts you. So, humbling ourselves before Him, submitting to His Word, letting Him bring confidence in ourselves. I mean, not in ourselves. Confidence in His Word. And then hardship comes. So, when people talk about hardship, well, it, I started following God, and all of a sudden, all hell broke loose in my life. Like, what's wrong? You know? What's, there's nothing wrong. Actually, it's just, it's just like clockwork, you know? You, you put your faith in God, there's going to be hardship. Okay? You're going to put your faith in God, there's going to be resistance. <clears throat> you don't throw away your confidence, and then you're going to have a need for endurance. You're going to have need for endurance. <laughs> and then, after you've persevered, then you receive the promise. Does that make sense? So... You don't need to say this to yourself. You will never receive the promise without endurance. So if you're like, man, I haven't um, received the promise yet. Well, have you had to endure anything yet? You see what I'm saying? It's clockwork. It's literally a process that happens every single time. You have a word from God. You have resistance. And then when you endure, you receive the promise. That's why faith... This is this is faith, okay? Like, people who, listen. A lot of people, a lot of people um, will use coincidences and things like that. Coincidences didn't have any hardship. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people build their faith off of their coincidences. Say, well, you know, this this one thing lined up, and then this other thing lined up. It must be God. Well, hold on a minute. Did you go through any hardship at all to get the promise? Did you go through any resistance at all? then you're not really operating on faith, you're, you're operating on what I call fate. You're just, whatever happens, happens. You're not believing God for anything. You're not having to go through any hardship. Every time you see a miracle in the scripture, anytime you see God come through in the scripture, there was always a word, there was always hardship, and then there was always a receiving of the promise. Make sense? So if we don't have a word, it, I guess, does this make sense? People don't live by real faith anymore. Like Whatever happens, just happens. People will thrown away faith altogether. Faith, you can't have faith without a word from God. Let me say that again. You cannot have faith without a word from God. 
So people all the time, they'll live their life by chance. Well, this, you know, okay, for instance, they'll talk about doors being open and doors being closed, right? It says, well, God opens up doors that no man can open, and He closes doors that cannot be closed. But there isn't any man of God in the Scripture that lived like that. If you look at the man of God in Scripture, they're, they're, we, we live our life all the time. Hey, if the door opens, it must be God. Or if the door closes, it's not God. But that, that, that teaching, the problem with that, that's, that's a Scripture taken out of context. The people in our lives, I mean, if you look in the Scripture, the people in the, in the Bible stories never live like that. They don't live waiting on a door to open and waiting on a door to close. No, they were really explicit with their prayers. God, if this is you, let the, let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry in the morning. Okay, God, I want to test you one more time. If this is really you, let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet tomorrow. You see? They really put their faith in something. They, they put something out there to test what they were hearing. You see what I'm saying? They, they put the Word of God to the test. Does that make sense? We have to put the Word of God to the test. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, don't put the Lord your God to the test, right? But you're, 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 you're mistaking what that scripture is saying. When, when Jesus said that, let's go over there, Luke. Luke chapter 4. He took, so it was Luke chapter 4, verse 9, and he took him to Jerusalem, <clears throat> set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, unless you strike your foot against a stone. So he's, he's quoting Psalm 91. Okay, that's what, that's what the devil is using. The devil's quoting Psalm 91 to Jesus, saying, Look, you jump off the top of this temple, the angels will catch you. And he's saying, They're not going to allow you to strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay? And when the devil had ended their, every temptation, he departed from him under, until an opportune time. So I remember um, learning growing up, don't test God. You know, they would tell me, don't test God. It says right here, Jesus taught us not to test God. But, um, but he says, it is written, right? And he answered, it is said, or it is written, you shall, be, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay, but where is this written at? See, if you, if you, we, have to, we can't be misquoting Jesus, you know what I mean? We can't be misinterpreting the scripture. Whenever Jesus said, you know, do not put the Lord your God to the test, was he referring to hearing God's word and then putting it to the test? You know what I mean? Or what was he referring to? Um, when, you, when you look at um, Jesus, what he's quoting is Deuteronomy chapter 6. I believe 6, chapter 16. And Deuteronomy 6, 16 is referencing Exodus, I believe. Chapter 17, verse 7. Okay? So, we're going to go here in a second, but Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's talking about something very specific here. He's not talking about not putting God to the test, because if you go over there in, in the book of Malachi, it says, test me in this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse and see that I will not open up the windows of heaven and bless you. So there's a one scripture here that says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then there's scripture that says, put God to the test. 
Okay, so let's go over here to Luke, uh, let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. He says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. All right, so number one, you have to understand this. Whenever, uh, it says, you know, remember David was numbering the people of Israel, and then the angel of the Lord came and destroyed Jerusalem, and, or wasn't destroying Jerusalem, it was destroying everything else, but when he got to Jerusalem, then he made a sacrifice and everything. Um, so, it says in there that, the, that Satan tempted David until, and to go and count the people of Israel, okay? And so, he, uh, he went and tempted, y'all follow me? Uh, yes, sir? No, 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 I was, when he said putting the word of God to the test, it's, it's, it'll be like spiritually, like, like, and not sinfully, right? Kind of like, um, is that? Yeah, we're getting to that, yeah. Okay. So, um, so Satan tempted David to go and number the people, right? And, uh, I found it interesting, you know, um, what was wrong with that? Like, was there explicit, uh, was there an explicit, um, command that told, um, him not, you know, uh, don't number the people, you know what I mean? Why, why was it so wrong? And what I, what I really discovered was that it was the fact that Satan told him to do it that I made it wrong. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's about hearing the voice of God and recognizing the two. So, what was the, the bottom line problem with him jumping off the temple? The devil told him to do it. <laughs> he had to recognize the voice of God. That's the number one thing. You have to hear the voice of God, and you have to recognize where it's coming from. So the fact that the devil told him to jump off automatically made it wrong. You see what I'm saying? So at this point now, whose voice shall you be listening to, the devil or God, you see? So that's what made um, Adam and Eve um, messed up, you know? They started listening to the voice of the serpent instead of the voice of God. Um, which implies that, that Adam and Eve, we already know Adam and Eve had a commandment from God prior to the temptation of Satan. So we can also probably be sure that God, that God had already spoken to Jesus and he was well prepared for this day of temptation. See what I'm saying? So there's, there's that as well. Um, but let's look over here. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, 16 says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. So go over here to Exodus chapter 17, verse 7. That must that now in, it makes inquisiting minds wonder what the heck is Massa, right? Because uh, <laughs> if I really want to understand what Jesus is saying, I need to know what's going on. Uh, Exodus chapter 17, verse 7. This is the digging. This is the type of stuff you do in your quiet time. Yeah. 17 verse 7. Let's just go over here to verse 1. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin, or seen, whatever it is, by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said to him, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to him, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? So what was he testing him in? Check this out. Oh, this is so good. Why do you test the Lord? Watch this. They were quarreling. Oh, man. Oh, so good. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Who's the Lord? Is the Lord Moses? No, the Lord's Yahweh, right? 
all capitals. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? So what's the problem here? The problem with the people of Israel right now is they're quarreling with Moses. And by quarreling with Moses, they are testing the Lord. <laughs> All right, let me, y'all follow that? They're quarreling with, this is so good. Jesus didn't even get distracted by the temptation. He went straight to the fact of, Satan, why are you even messing with me? You're testing the Lord. When it, did y'all get that? You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Moses wasn't God, right? He was a man. You're quarreling with Moses. By quarreling with Moses, you're testing the Lord. So here is Jesus, and the devil is putting him to temptation, and he rebuttals, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Now, of course, Jesus is God, but let's just say Jesus isn't 100% in his humanity at this point, right? Well, he has to be. It wouldn't be a fair um, temptation if Jesus wasn't in his um, complete humanity at this point. That's why he fasted. He humbled himself. He was at his weakest point. There was no, he wasn't tapping into, I mean, he was tapping into God. See what I'm saying? But, it wasn't, but he wasn't using his deity to resist temptation. He was a man walking in righteousness by faith, knowing who he was in God. That's how he resisted temptation. And then when the devil wants to quarrel with Jesus, Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. <laughs> so who is he talking about when it comes to testing the Lord? Is he talking about Jesus putting God to the test? Or is he talking about Satan putting God to the test? <laughs> this is crazy. This is a good word. That's right. He, he's talking about Satan putting God to the test. This is probably one of the coolest revelations I've had in a long time. I just got this, by the way. Look at that. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? They tested the Lord by quarreling with Moses. Je Jesus was not being tempted to put God to the test. Satan was putting God to the test by tempting Jesus. So good. Oh, this is so powerful. But you see how the devil twists Scripture. He was twisting Scripture in Psalm 91. You know? And then right here, everyone who reads this passage thinks it's talking about, well, don't test God. Don't go out there and step out in faith. Testing, testing God. I mean, what's the difference between Jesus jumping off the, off the tabernacle here, off the temple, and Jesus stepping out, and Peter stepping out of the boat? They're both defying logic. They're both defying gra gravity. They're both defying... <laughs> Come on, right? It's the same miracle. It's defying the laws of physics. <laughs> What's the difference? The fact that the devil was tempting Jesus and trying to get him to do something counter the word of God by following his own word. See, what makes it wrong is the fact that Satan told you to do it. That's what makes it wrong. It wasn't that there was a pre, even necessarily a word from God before Satan talked. It was the fact that Satan was talking. He's the father of lies. So anytime he says it, it becomes a lie. It becomes twisted. It's not right. It's perverted. Something about what he's saying is perverted. Yeah, because he didn't change it right there. Yeah, he said it just like it was written. But just because he it's said it, it was somehow perverted. It's always about the spirit behind it, which is funny because he's the spirit. So, um, 
Where is your word coming from? That's how you know whether it's truth or not. Oh, that's so good. Truth is a person. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is not just a word. Truth is a person. And Jesus is the word. Truth is not just the word. It's person. And Jesus is the word. Truth is truth because it comes from God. You know what I'm saying? Jesus came from God. <laughs> truth is truth because it came from God. And Jesus came from God. Good word right here. Powerful stuff. So what happened here? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled. Okay, so again, now we have some problems here. Grumbled. They were grumbling. We have resistance here. We have rebellion. Grumbling against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? Now they're resenting their salvation to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, talking with you, uh, some, uh, and taking with you some of the elders, and take in your hand the staff in which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, quarreling uh, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying is the Lord among us or not so the question was is the Lord among us oh wow you see that is the Lord among us or not what was it the test oh this is so good guys what was the test how were they, how were they testing God in this moment they were they were questioning whether or not God was with them y'all know that Jesus is Emmanuel God with us and the whole temptation in Luke chapter 4 was, if you are the son of God, <laughs> Satan was coming against the fact that Jesus had come amongst men, the full embodiment of God. The scripture says the entire Godhead was in Christ. So the test, oh, so good. Y'all get it? Y'all get what's happening here? Y'all aren't excited as me. I'm very much excited about this. This is so freaking awesome. <laughs> the test oh this is so good y'all get y'all y'all getting this have y'all ever seen this before am i the only one <laughs> oh my goodness y'all get this listen let's just let's go back again think about it <laughs> he tested he was testing the lord because he said if you are the son of god say these bread do these stones turn into bread and eat if you are the Son of God, throw yourself off this temple. You see? He was testing the Lord. Satan was testing the Lord. Not, not Jesus being tempted to test the Lord. Satan was testing the Lord. By, because he was questioning the, the, the identity of Christ as being the Son of God having the Godhead all wrapped up inside of him in one body, 
He was questioning him as being Emmanuel, which means God with us, which is directly in relation to this story. Is the Lord among us or not? They were questioning whether or not God was truly with them. They had been delivered from Egypt. They brought into the wilderness, and now they were quarreling and arguing with Moses, and they were looking at their experience, the hardship. We talked about this a second ago. You have need of endurance because you're going to go through some hardship, some resistance, but they didn't hold fast their confidence. They didn't endure, and they didn't receive the promise. Testing the Lord has nothing to do with doing something outrageous. Testing the Lord is when you know that God is in the middle of it, yet you question whether or not He's in the middle of it. You question the integrity of God. That's what testing the Lord is. If you notice that nothing bad happened to them right then, I don't think, they only received something good. But they still sinned. You see? They actually got water. You know what I mean? Now later on, there was some other sins that they did when they grumbled and complained. The next thing you know, uh, the earth opens up and swallows people. And then they got mad at Moses and said, you killed all those people. And so the next thing you know, a plague hits the people and 14,000 people get killed. Moses, man, Moses was an awesome guy. I'm telling you what, Moses was a prayer warrior. Moses loved his enemies. Everybody wanted to kill Moses. So you just said that. Everybody wants to stone me right now. Moses continually prayed for his people. When that plague struck, after they wanted to kill him for that, when earth opened up during Korah's rebellion and swallowed up Korah and his family and his followers, then the next day they came to him and said, you killed the priests of God. And so then this plague came out. It's just the anger of the Lord burned against the people and he struck the people, you know? <laughs> That's what happened to, to... Look, if you're a humble man and you seek God with all your life, all your heart, you don't have to worry about your enemies. God will take care of them for you. What you need to do is pray for your enemies because they don't stand a chance without you. Amen. <laughs> That's why Jesus says pray for your enemies. That's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because I believe that God would have struck everybody dead right then if Jesus hadn't prayed for them. And he was the sacrifice. I'm telling you what, that's why Stephen he says he, he saw the heavens open and the Son of Man, Son of God, sit standing at the right hand of the Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We've been commanded to pray for our enemies because they don't stand a chance against, without us. It's powerful stuff. You read throughout the whole Old Testament, you see it over and over again, God's judgment against people who come against God's people. And so the man of God must pray for his enemies. That's what Moses did. He fell on his face and would pray for the people when they start coming against him. I, that was his response. He wasn't even going to, to argue with them. He went to argue with God. Hold on, God. Don't kill him yet. They would come against him, and he would go to God. Don't kill him. <laughs> I'm telling you, powerful, powerful stuff. We don't have to worry about Anyway. Jesus is awesome. Smite them down. Smite them down. <laughs> they didn't hold on to their confidence. They didn't endure their hardship, and they also did not receive the promise. Now, they had these smaller promises, but they didn't receive the most important promise. They did not go into the promised land, which is what God took them out of Egypt for. He drew them out of Egypt so he could deliver them into the promised land. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. 
We are to take the Word of God, and we are to put it to the test. What it is, we don't question whether God's in it when God says so. That's the problem that we're seeing right here, in that temptation of Jesus. Is God in this? And you know God is in it, and you start questioning it, and you start to... That's whenever you're testing the Lord. Does that make sense? It's also equivalent to if I told my son, hey, don't touch the light socket or I'm going to give you a spanking. And then they did. They went and violated my word. Well, I give them a spanking. Don't test me when I say don't touch that. But if I say, hey, son, if you'll fold the clothes, I'm going to give you um, a penny for every article of clothing that you fold. So they fold 50 pieces of clothing. I give them 50 cents. You know, So they can test me in that. See? See the, testing, the testing is... The, the, the testing they're usually talking about is, you know, when, they, when I told them to go fold clothes and I told them you're going to get the promise and they go, man, God's not, uh, Dad's not going to pay us when we're done with this. He's just using us. That's testing me. You see? You're, 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 you're questioning whether my integrity is there. Does that make sense? Anyway, that's, that's the real testing of God. Questioning his integrity. In fact, that's why whenever we hear him t tell us don't do something and we still do it, that means we're questioning whether, whether we're going to suffer the consequences or not. You see, we're questioning whether his word's true. That's what it means to test God. Are you real? Are you? Is God a liar? You see, that's that's the question that we're we're asking ourselves when we when we go do, deliberately do the opposite of what God told us to do. We don't believe God's a lie. We don't believe God's telling the truth, or we wouldn't have done what He told us not to. You see, same thing. Whenever we hear God, the the good things of God and promises of God, we don't stand on the promises because we don't believe that what He said was true. Make sense? Okay, let's move on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. So we see that Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 39, confidence, endurance, and receive the promise. Those are the three steps. Uh, that's the three steps that you need to get through for your breakthrough. Leads us to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which is, um, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the King James Version. The ESV says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do you all see that? One says the substance of things not hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Okay? And then another translation, so substance, evidence. One, one, one uh, translation says, the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's even another one that says that faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. I kind of like that one. It's a totally different translation. Never heard it before, but it was awesome. Now, faith brings our hope into reality. Faith brings our hope into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. All right, so we, after we go from... This is, that, that's how we know. That's, that's the description of what faith is. This is how we see faith. This is the description of faith. This is how faith comes about. Or this is how we see the promise. This is how we use faith. This is the description of faith. This is how we use the faith. We have to have confidence, endure hardship, receive the promise. Make sense? All right, cool. Let me raise some stuff. Ready? That's what mindset. Mindset makes us confident. 
Confident. Oh, yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Confidence. Faith is confidence. Yeah. Faith is confidence. Mm -hmm. What translation is yours? Uh, the New Living Translation. It's the confidence. Uh, say it. Say the whole thing. Confidence things hope for. Faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. Actually happen. Yeah. Yes. That's the... that Yeah. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. <laughs> will actually, will actually happen. I love your translation. It's good stuff. Luke chapter 18, verse 7 through 8. What is it? 18? Verse 7 through 8. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he, will he find faith? Will he find faith? And this is actually talking about the, uh, the parable he told them so that they wouldn't give up, right? Luke chapter 18, verse 7. And he told them a parable to the, to the fact that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is what faith is about. Always pray and don't lose heart. You know, again, praying and not losing heart, that doesn't infer that coincidences happen or waiting for doors to be open or doors to be closed. Literally, you've got a word from God and you're praying and you're not going to lose heart. You're going to hold on to it. How can you hold on to something if you don't already know it's going to happen? Let me say that again. How can you hold on? Faith is about holding on to something you already know is going to happen. If you're not going... You're not... Okay, let's put it this way. You know, they talk about blind faith. Faith isn't really blind. Faith sees it before it happens. See? Blind, when they say blind faith, what that means is you have no evidence right now to prove that it's going to happen. But true blind faith isn't really blind. It sees better than your eyes. <laughs> blind faith has better eyesight than your eyes. Because it's not blind. Blind faith is not blind. Blind faith sees very clearly what's going to happen, pulls it down, believes it, Endures the hardship and receives the promise. Confidence. That's why people come against that prayer, the, the, the thing. Jesus says, you know, whatever you ask for, believe that you receive it. It'll be given to you. Why do we water that down? We water it down because we don't want to believe it. If we had to believe what that said, it would drastically change our life. We can no longer be complacent Christians. We can no longer sit on our couches and do nothing. We'd have to do something. We'd realize that we've been giving an ability to flip the world upside down. That, that, the, that our immediate environment could not help but change. Because we would be the, the catalyst for change. We would be responsible. If we believe that prayer, if we believe that command from God, believe that you received it, it would be given to you. If we really believe that, then it's all our fault. <laughs> like, we can't blame anybody for why something didn't happen. Luke chapter 18, verse 7 through 8. Let's go to the first, first one. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the, right, the unrighteous judge says. 
And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I love that. Will he delay long over them? Will he delay long over them? That's inferred no. That's an answer. The answer to that question is no. He will not delay long. <laughs> will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? But you know how many times people say, oh, what about God's timing? Speedily. That's God's timing. <laughs> what about God's timing? Speedily. Did you not hear the words of Jesus? Do you not study the words of Jesus? Jesus never talked about God's timing, and when he did, it was very quick. <laughs> It's good. <laughs> Speedily. Will he delay long over them? No. Answer is no. Answer is no. Let's just go ahead and put in there parentheses. No. Will he delay over long over them? Parentheses. No. That's what they should have put in there. I mean, even a Greek, even who's not a Greek scholar understands the answer to that question. <laughs> I love it. Will he delay longer over them? No. I tell you, he will give justice. He will give justice to them. Nevertheless, he will do it speedily. Speedily. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. I probably read this about five more times, and y'all's faith will just increase more and more. Will he delay long over them? No. I tell you, he will give them justice to them speedily. Speedily. It's like a double hit, dude. Like people, I don't see how people miss this. Will he delay long over them? The answer is no. I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Whoa. It's like a two-hit thing. Is he going to delay? The answer is no. I tell you, he will give them justice. And not only that, he'll also give them justice speedily. Like it's no delay. Like let me, in case you don't get it, disciples, he's not going to delay and he will give it to you speedily. <laughs> Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He just described to us what our faith should look like. First of all, it means persistent. You don't give up. You keep on going. You don't lose heart. Also, when you do do that, you believe that it won't delay and that it will come speedily. Ah, so why do we, when we start praying for somebody to get healed, we go, oh, well, it's just in God's timing. You're not listening to Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8 that says, persevere, he won't delay. It will be speedily. But we start praying for somebody and then we pray about 15 times or less. But we just pray once. We're praying, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And then we're like, oh, nothing happened. Well, you know, maybe it's not God's will. You, 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 you lost heart. You didn't persevere. You didn't knock on the door day and night. Give me justice. You didn't believe that it was not going to delay, and you didn't believe it was going to be speedily. What part of this? You just threw the entire... Hey, I don't like this part of the Bible. Let's rip it out and throw it away. <laughs> you know why people don't like this part of the Bible? Because it puts responsibility on yourself. This says that it's not God's fault. Oh, it's taken a long time for you to get the answer to your prayer. Not God's fault. <clears throat> he just... Is God a liar? And will not give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay along over them? Will he do? No. No. He won't do. He's not going to delay. He's not going to delay. He doesn't. Let me. Am I reading this right? Will he. Do, <laughs> will, he 
Will he? He won't. He will not. He will. He, Jesus just said, "God will not delay." I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Okay, so if God's not a liar, if God's not a liar. That means he doesn't delay, and he's going to do it quickly. So how come I'm not seeing the answer to my prayer? Well, it's not because God's delaying. It's not because God's not quick to answer. Maybe it's the very last part. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Oh, so he just told us that the problem was on earth, not in heaven. <laughs> there... There isn't a problem in heaven. There's a problem on earth. You know, back in the day, when they used to have telephone services, they have a connection and disconnection. They literally unplug. They, right? And they plug it into the next one, right? And when they're talking about, oh, you know, when you're on your phone like this, you're like, hey, I'm on the phone. Oh, we got disconnected. What happened? You know, that dis word disconnected doesn't even make sense anymore for a wireless phone. Disconnect means that the wire was disconnect. It got unplugged. You know what I mean? Have you ever been on the phone with somebody before? You're like, hey man, uh, I'm sorry I can't hear you very well. Um, I've got bad reception. Uh, do you have bad reception? I have five bars. Do you have five bars? Hey, I have five bars. Do you have five bars? No. Oh, 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 it's on your end. It's, it's your fault. Your, your phone's, you need to get in a better spot, dude. I can't hear you. You see what I'm saying? That's what happens in heaven. The, the, in, listen, let me just tell you right now, in heaven there's five bars. <laughs> Woo! I was going to make a t-shirt on that baby in heaven there's five bars where's your reception is your reception better oh come on in heaven there's five bars dude we're going to have to get ourselves connected again God's con his line is connected all the time he's not being disconnected can you hear me now <laughs> Woo! This is awesome, dude. Will he faith, have faith on the earth? Faith. It's never in heaven. The problem is never in heaven. Problems on earth. Problems here on earth. He told them this parable so that they might not. They might always pray. Uh, always to pray and not lose heart. You want to know when you get one bar or no bars? It's when you lose heart. Mm. Keep, your five, keep your five bars up. Don't lose heart. Don't throw away your confidence. For you have need of endurance. And then you will receive the promise. Don't throw away your confidence. It's so good. <laughs> you need to get... It, dude, you know what you have to do to not lose heart? To get back on top? You got to climb up that mountain, dude. Find some reception. Like, dude, where, where, where's it at? Get up on the top of things, dude. Don't be down at the bottom in the valley. You got to get up, climb, make a climb, persevere. <laughs> it's good stuff, dude. Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 20. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything to ask, it will be done for, you, for them by my Father in heaven. That's a promise. Oh. Mm, we just don't listen. We just, nah, I can't hear what you're saying. That's what we do. We just plug our ears up and we're like, I don't want to hear that. Why? Because it makes it our fault, not God's fault. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. 
Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 22. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves, and he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Jesus answered them, Truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. No, no, it's his ear name. It's ridiculous, dude. This is ridiculous. People say, you can't believe for that. People say that all the time. You can't believe for that. They say, you can't believe for that. But Jesus just said, you can throw this mountain in the sea. So why did Jesus use this illustration? Because it's outrageous. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. A mountain? You can throw a mountain in the sea, Jesus? Are you dummy? Are you an idiot? Are you a fool? The foolishness of God puts to shame the wisdom of man. <laughs> Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And I love it. I, people have told me, That's just, maybe it's just a figurative mountain, but it's not a figurative fig tree. It was a real fig tree. <laughs> So, let me curse this fig tree real quick. <laughs> Show you how it's done, son. <laughs> how did the fig tree wither and die? And then another uh, translation, another book of the Bible says, um, have faith in God. That's the answer. He gave. How did the fig tree, look, it died away, right away. Have faith in God. The answer. Let me explain to you. Like, <laughs> have faith in God. Oh, it's good stuff. John 15, 1 through 14. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear uh, fruit, he prunes, and it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that has spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. We get back down to Luke chapter 14. When he was questioning Jesus and putting the Lord to the test, if you are the Son of God, Exodus chapter 17, verse 7, they were putting the Lord to the test because they questioned whether the Lord was among them. <coughs> Abide in me. Is the Lord among you? If the Lord is among you, you will produce fruit. <coughs> If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, my word abides in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. <laughs> so we just found out something here. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people say, well, to the glory of God, right? They see that all the time. Well, whatever brings God glory, like they'll pray for somebody to be healed of cancer or whatever, and then they'll be like, well, whatever God gets glory from. I'm going to tell you right now, God gets glory from answered prayers, not from ignoring your prayers. That's what it says right here. If you abide, watch this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to me my disciples. What's the fruit he's talking about? Answered prayer. 
Abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that, your fa that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. <laughs> How is God glorified? <laughs> by you bearing much fruit. How are you bearing fruit? Can your prayers answered? <laughs> as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, to keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, and someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. Which leads us into the next part, which we're not going to get into now. But next time we're going to be talking about God's love. We're going to be talking about, that's, this is the whole basis of the whole thing. You know, um, God answers your prayers because He loves you. And the only reason why we don't get our prayers answered is because we don't know how much He loves us. If we realize that God did love us, then when we ask things, especially things that were according to His Word, then we get them. See what I'm saying? Amen? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank You for this amazing Word. I pray in the name of Jesus that it just sets in people's hearts and that it sets people free from unbelief and doubt in Jesus mighty name amen hey thank you for watching and listening to this channel be sure to hit the like button and share it to your friends and subscribe to our channel for more content every single week and if you haven't yet go visit our website at bombszs.com we have a lot of content there and a lot of things wow. for you that are absolutely free so be sure to utilize us as much as possible we hope that you were blessed by this message till next time have a blessed day